Good morning. It's an honor to be with you all this morning, worshiping God, spending time around the table, spending time in prayer and also in the word. I'm so appreciative of the invitation to come to uh, preach this morning. The passage that we're going to be in has already been read for us once. Here in a moment, we'll read it again. It's John 15, verses 9 through 13. That's the anchor text for this morning's sermon. You may want to find that uh, in your Bible, your device. Of course, the passage will also be on the screen. That's John 15, verses 9 through 13. Imagine with me for a moment, a friend reaches out to you and says, let's do lunch. You haven't seen this friend for some time, and so you're very excited about getting to spend some time with your friend. Before you meet for lunch, you decide that you are going to be very intentional in how you handle the conversation with the friend that you haven't seen in some time. And so you're going to ensure that you listen intently. You're going to ensure that um, you don't dominate the conversation. You're going to make sure that you pay for the lunch that you're going to enjoy with your friend, you ensure that you are going to show genuine care and concern for your friend. And so you meet for lunch, you enjoy the conversation, you listen intently, you show all kinds of care and concern for your friend, and much to your friend's delight, when the Waitress comes with the bill, you grab it, and you pay. And they just look at you and simply say, thank you. And so, you're driving home, and you reflect on the time what you had with your friend. And as you're thinking about uh, your friend and the conversation... You think about how much you appreciated getting to learn more about your friend, appreciating what you learned about your friend, how things were going with their life, with their work, with their family. You give thanks to God for a wonderful friend that he has given you. Your friend drives home and they think about how much they appreciate the friend that they have. The way that they listened so intently. The way that they showed such great care and concern for you. They drive home thinking, I'm loved. I was heard. I was understood. God, thank you for such a good friend. Today's message is very simple. Put others first. That's the sermon. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm kidding. You're not that fortunate. Put others first. In essence, that's 
what Jesus teaches about following him, about having a kind of love that the Father and the Son share with one another. The passage, again, John 15, beginning with verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. It all hinges on this, in other words. Love each other as I have loved you. And then this most important and even famous passage. Greater love has no one than this. To lay down one's life for one's friends. There's a man named Simon Sinek, and he made famous the question, what is your why? In other words, what is your purpose in life? Why do you do the things that you do? Now, this question, what is your why, it can apply to your personal life. It can, can, can apply to an organization. It can apply to a church. Why do we do what we do. And so he uses an example, for instance, of like a car company. Now you might think, okay, a car company, what is your why? It is to make cars. But he says, if that's the only why for a vehicle company, that may not truly drive, no pun intended, that company to success. The successful companies will have something like to ensure that our drivers have a very pleasurable experience. To ensure that people know that if they're going to drive our vehicles, they're going to be safe on the road. That they're going to be fuel efficient. That they're going to save money. Things like that. So he says, getting very clear on your why. What is your purpose? Why do you do what you do is crucial to success and to well-being. Now, here's what I want to submit to you this morning. What Jesus says in these few verses in John 15 ought to deeply inform our why, what we do, both on an individual level, for sure, but also on a congregational level. Do we put others first? Do we intentionally show care and concern for others before ourselves? For just a moment, very quickly, I'd like to unpack what Jesus says here in these few verses from John 15. First, he says that he loves us as the Father loves him. He loves us as the Father loves him. And so... We have to ask the question, okay, how does the father love the son? What is that relationship like? When we think about that love, it would, it's pure love. We might use the word unadulterated type of love that they share for one another. There's even, we might say, selflessness. Or this kind of self-giving love that we see with the father and the son. We'd certainly say that it's unconditional 
love. Secondly, we remain or abide in Jesus' love by keeping his commands. Now, I think all of us would say that we want to stay in the center of Jesus' love. And he tells us the path for staying in the center of this love. How do we do that? We keep his commands. He goes on and he says, obeying his commands, namely loving one another, leads to, check it out there in the passage, his love, or excuse me, his joy filling us, being complete within us. I think all of us would say that we want more joy in our lives. I think all of us, if we were to sort of critique our culture in the wider society, I think all of us would say that we don't see a lot of joy in our culture. This true sense of contentment and not a kind of happiness that's based on circumstances, but this kind of happiness that's based on convictions of who God is and who we are in relationship with God. I think all of us would say that we don't see a lot of that. Jesus here shares the pathway to this kind of joy, this deep, abiding type of joy. It comes through love, namely loving one another. We are to love others as Jesus has loved us. Now think for just a moment. How has Jesus loved you? If you were to talk with someone who perhaps doesn't know Christ well, maybe new to the faith or at this point just curious about the faith, and you were to talk to them about the love of Jesus, what would you say about it? I think we would go back to some of the words that we use for the relationship between the Father and the Son regarding love. It's unconditional love. It's pure love. It's love that's not even based on us earning that love. He just loves us. In fact, the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 5 that while we were still sinners and even enemies, Christ died for us out of love. We're to love others as Jesus loves us. This is hard to do, right? Many of us, we may not want to admit to it, but we keep score. And we, so, we know how others treat us. And we find this tendency to where we are going to reciprocate to others what they do to us, how they treat us. But that's contrary to the kind of love, the kind of way that Jesus calls us to have toward others, isn't it? How does Jesus love us? Jesus' style love is selfless and sacrificial. Jesus put you and put me before himself. He went to the cross to die for each of us. Now, in this room, as many 
people, and maybe some of you here today, that are struggling with purpose. You think about your why and you think, I don't know what my why is. I don't know why I am here. I don't know what I'm called to do. And maybe even question if you're loved or not. You feel lonely, dejected, despair, broken. Know that you are deeply loved today, just as you That's Jesus' style of love. Jesus and his ministry, he does things like, they're shocking in the time, but he does things like take Matthew, a tax collector, and he says, come, follow me. You're going to be a disciple. You're going to be a leader in this movement. Jesus goes and he... He sits down and he eats with sinners and tax collectors. And the religious people of the day say, what is this man doing? He's sharing a meal with sinners and tax collectors. He shocked the religious people of the day because of who he loved and how he shared that love with them. He was reckless. He was selfless. And it was sacrificial. Jesus, but you, he put me before himself. And church, that's why we're here today. What is your why? I want to submit to you that it needs to start by putting others before yourself in a very me-first world. I think all of us would agree that we live in a me-first world. Just spend a couple minutes on social media, and I think all of us will say, it's a me-first world. To live this life that Jesus is calling us to live is to put others first. This little van may not look like much to you, but it's very meaningful to me. Now, this isn't the uh, exact van that my parents had when I was growing up, but that's pretty close. I know, don't be jealous of this ride. I know it's sweet. I don't even know what color that is. A little brown, burnt orange going on there. And now, like I'm a child of the 80s, you know, we didn't, seatbelts, what are seatbelts, right? We so all of us kids, I had uh, three, three sisters. We all rat, rode in the back of that van. No seatbelts. We're running around um, playing basketball and baseball back there. I don't know. It was crazy. But I remember the reason I want to tell you about this brown van, orange van, whatever color that is, van today, is because something very important happened in that van that I think even plays a role in why I'm standing before you today. Sunday mornings, I was growing up. We had to wake up a little bit earlier than I wanted to. 
We had to drive to the other side of town, which was a small town, so it's not that far, but when you're eight or nine years old, it feels like forever away. We had to go over there and pick up some kids. There were five kids. It was the Terry family. Every Sunday morning, we got in our van, we went across town, and we picked up the Terry family. Now, I've got to tell you about the Terry family. They were, I'm just going to put it this way, they were different than my family. Honestly, they, they looked a little different. They, they smelled a little different. Honestly, they talked a little different. And sometimes I think if my parents knew the type of conversations were happening in the back of that van on the way to church with the Terry family, I think they would rethink that decision to agree to pick up the Terry family every Sunday morning. But there we were, Sunday after Sunday, taking that family to church. And as an eight or nine year old, I wasn't too crazy about it. But as I stand before you today, I want to tell you how appreciative I am of what happened in that brown, orange van Sunday after Sunday. Because what my parents were doing, they weren't likely thinking about it at the time, but they were modeling something to me is very, very important. They were putting the Terry family before themselves. What they were doing, they were taking the Terry family to church to learn about God, to spend time with God's people, to help them to know about the love of Christ, the hope that comes from God. And even though at eight or nine, I didn't really like it. Now I'm very appreciative of that. I can't stand here before you and say that the Terrys are they're all Christians, they're all ministry, they're missionary. I don't even honestly know. Some of them might be in jail. I don't know. But I'll tell you that they were exposed to the gospel and to God's people because my parents put them first. My parents are not perfect people by any stretch of the imagination, but I saw that modeled, that kind of love modeled. And it got me to thinking. I've got daughters, 10 and 8, the same age as I was when I was riding in that van with the Terry family, taking to church. Who's my Terry family? Who's your Terry family? Who is it that you're putting before yourself in the process you're showing them the gospel? Jesus, the church on mission. We see the me first mindset all around us. So I'm going to go through this quickly, but it kind of looks like this. And as I share this list, I'm going to be real honest with you. I'm stepping on my toes. I, this is not something like I'm, a, I'm above. I mean, Sarah's here. You can just ask her. The me first mindset often looks like this, craving recognition, admiration, and applause. Taking credit for what others have done. Become, becoming defensive when differing views are presented. In other, in other words, sort of being sort of selfish with your, your time and your opinions, not wanting to learn from others, rarely acknowledging sins or mistakes. Me? Make mistakes? Never. Blaming others for your own failures. Resisting advice, new insights, 
or ideas. Each one of these, as you go through this list, just make a quick scan of it. Think about, are any of these present in your own life? And what are some ways that you can take that before God so that he can work by the power of the Spirit through you so that you can be a person who puts others first? John said this is 1 John 3, 16 through 18. Some call us the, the other John 3, 16, and it's just as powerful. 1 John 3, 16 through 18. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Hear the echoes in John's words to what Jesus said in John 15. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Jesus tells the parable of the Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan didn't just go up to the person who was beaten up, left for dead on the side of the road and say, hey, I'll pray for you. Man, I sure hope someone comes by to give you a little bit of help that has no resources. No, the way that Jesus tells that story of the Good Samaritan does something for the one in need. Picks him up, puts him on the donkey, bandages the wound, put oil on him, goes to the inn, pays for the stay. Jesus in that story says this is the kind of love that I'm calling you to. A love that is displayed by action, by doing something. It's the love that Jesus modeled for us. Jesus prayed in the garden, you remember. If there's any other way, Lord, and his cup passed from me, but we know that Jesus also prayed, not my will, but yours be done. And he went to the cross, putting others, putting the world before himself. Jesus is the king of kings. He's the son of God. He doesn't just sit there and say, you know, I'll pray for the world dying in their sins. I'll concoct some idea. I'll call somebody else to go to the cross for the sins of the world. No, Jesus acts. He carries the cross. He endures the cross. He does something for the sake of others. And he, whether we like it or not, he is the model of God's love. We are to love one another in that way. And I would hope we put this into practice, right? Even, even today, if there's somebody that's not feeling loved, I would hope that they would interact with a church family who would pour out God's love in their lives, that each of us will walk away from today knowing that we are loved by God and by his people. I would hope that we wouldn't walk away and say, well, another sermon on love. How about that? But that this would translate into tangible action. 
starting today, starting even in this moment. The other's first mindset looks like this, putting the spotlight on other people, giving others credit, even when you're being applauded. And so a football analogy here, I love it. When, you know, like a quarterback is always one that they want to talk to after the game, get the thoughts of the quarterback. I love it when, like, there's a quarterback and that player who obviously has the ball a lot, likely did a many great things to help a team win, but gives credit to the linemen, right? Or gives credit to the receivers. Like, man, I, you know, that ball was not great, but if it weren't for the receivers, or if it weren't for the line, or if it weren't for the defense stopping their team, we wonder what. Be like the quarterback who gives credit to the other players, recognizing that it's not all about you. Listen carefully to others. Stay teachable. Confess your sins and acknowledge your wrongdoing. There's a lot of us in this room right now who are spiritually mature, have been walking with Jesus for a long time. But even still, none of, in this, none of us in this room are perfect. All of us need a Savior. And share your resources easily and cheerfully. Live from a place of abundance, not scarcity. Remember that the Father in heaven is our provider. His resources are inexhaustible. He's God. And all in relationship with him... All that is his is ours. And so we can give cheerfully. We can give out of a place of abundance knowing that all we have is him. I overheard this quote recently and I think it applies very well to what we're talking about this morning. It says, no one ever changed the world by doing what the world was already doing. This has already been mentioned. We see a lot of me first mentality in the world. That's not going to leave others changed. It's certainly not going to leave yourself changed if you just swim in the stream of me first. There's a lot of needs in this world. There's a lot of needs in Lebanon and Wilson County. I think all of us would say we want to ensure that everybody in this city, everyone in this county knew Jesus, bowed the knee to him. Well, it starts with each of us loving others the same kind of love that Jesus has for us. That's selfless and sacrificial love. The Apostle Paul, he said in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, and your relationships with one another have the same mindset or the same attitude, some translations say, as Christ. Jesus. What was that attitude? What was that mindset? Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing or he emptied himself by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. 
For the sake of each one of us, think about this. What did Jesus sacrifice? I mean, he was living in the glory and splendor of heaven. And he stepped down in obedience for each one of us. He endured the cross. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, He who knew no sin became sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And don't forget what Paul says in verse 5. What you see in Jesus, that type of mentality and attitude, that's how you're to live. That's how you are to treat each other. This week, I've got a challenge for you. Again, I don't want this just to be, oh, another sermon on love. I want to challenge you to perform an act of kindness for someone else. But don't tell them or anybody else about what you do. Just an anonymous type of act of service. We don't want this to be about ourselves. We want this to be just a genuine act of love. We don't want the glory. God knows what we're doing. And that's enough. Then by performing this act of kindness, small, big, you decide what you want it to look like. You're going to be growing in the way of Jesus. Learning more and more how to put others before yourself. Because remember, the current of this world, me first, is very strong. And so start today. Just one small, simple act of kindness. Putting someone else first. And through that, allow God to continue to shape you into the likeness of Jesus. Who Put others first. We're about to sing another song, an invitation song. And as we do, I want to remind each of us that as we worship our God, we come with the collective understanding that this has all been made possible by the one who laid down his life for us. And may the rest of our worship today and may our worship as we live worshipfully through the rest of the week reflect the gratitude that we have for him, the one who laid down his life for us. If you're here today and perhaps you need the prayers of the church family, we would be glad to pray with you and for you today. Uh, if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with God yet, or it's a relationship that is new, but you're wanting to take a next step perhaps today, you're even ready to confess that Jesus is the Lord, you're ready to be baptized into him and, and walk this new life with him, being shaped by his love day by day. Perhaps today you're ready to be baptized. We would love to assist you in that. If you have any needs at all uh, this morning, you can com come forward now as we stand and continue to worship our God who is
love. Amen.